BAM Radio Network. One of the techniques we have, Hugo, is called attitude breathing and another called neutral. We have students replace an attitude like they say, life stinks and nobody loves me and life's unfair. We have them breathe a more positive attitude. You know, I can do this. I'm stronger than I thought I was. I have a lot of friends. Just have them breathe that attitude. And that really changes not only their emotional attitude, but their mental and their physiology as well. Hello, welcome to Inside the Minds of Teens and Tweens with Dr. Regina Lamorell. The heart is more than just a pump. It's a complex organ with a mind of its own. Today, we're going to discuss how the heart plays an important role in thinking and emotions and how important it is for teens to connect to their hearts with Dr. Robert Rees of the Heart Meth Institute and our very own BAM commentator, Ugo Uche. Welcome, gentlemen. Bob, this is a real important idea. I don't think very many people understand why we say the heart has intelligence. Can you tell us what you mean by that? In a way, we could say our whole body, uh, our intelligence. We have a body, a mind, a heart, a spirit intelligence. And I think that the uh, work that we do at the Institute of Heart Math is really focused on awakening the and opening up the intelligence of the heart. Why do you think this is important for teens, and why do you think this is important for teachers and parents to know? Part of it is that we are so driven by the idea that the brain is the CEO, that everything that is important happens in the brain, that the focus on testing, the focus on brain function has really separated us from the whole story. That is, we're talking not about heart versus head or heart versus brain, but how the two of them work harmoniously together. For example, what we know is that if you're under stress, our anxiety, frustration, anger, your heart heart produces a rhythmic pattern, which is chaotic, incoherent, in other words, and that information is sent up to the brain. So this is why when people are under stress, when they're feeling anxious about a test, when they're frustrated, they don't think very well, they don't perform very well. And so if if you can teach people how to change their heart rhythm pattern from one which is chaotic to one which is coherent or harmonious, then that sends a, a very different signal to the brain. So you're asking people not only to feel this in their heads or what they're thinking about, but you're also asking them to feel this in their bodies so that they have a connected system of heart and head caring? What happens is that if a teacher comes into a classroom full of stress, that stress is communicated not only to the students, but the students pick it up and communicate it to other students, and it it contaminates the classroom experience. So we have a program called the Resilient Educator in which we teach teachers how, no matter what's happening in their lives, and for all of us, there's a lot of stress, but in the few minutes before they walk into a class, they can do a a kind of heart-focused exercise, which is uh, heart breathing and heart focus and heart feeling to put themselves into a positive emotional state. So you can go into a classroom or you can take a test either in a a stressful negative state or in a harmonious one, and it makes all the difference in the world. That makes a lot of sense because it's not always talking about emotional resiliency. And rather than pushing away, because probably what happens is a lot of people when stressed, they walk on not thinking about it, it actually makes it worse. And um, I would suspect that part of your training program having teachers raise what they're going through and accepting what's beyond their control and setting their priorities in the proper order. You're right on. Essentially what we try to do is have them shift their focus to the area of the heart and breathe as if they were breathing through their heart and then to 
find something that they really appreciate or care about. It's not thinking, oh, I've got to do this, but it's actually generating a positive emotional state. So if whatever it is that we say puts you in your heart, whether it's a, a pet or a grandchild or being on the beach or whatever it is to actually emotionally be in that place. And when you are in that place, then it changes your heart rhythm pattern. So it's so your heart then produces a very sign-like uh, wave pattern, which then communicates that up to uh, the brain. How does this relate to the stories that we're hearing about bullying and peer-on-peer violence? Is there something in this technique that can help teens relate better to their peers and help teachers help them understand the importance of being at heart with their peer group? Great question, uh, Regina. We are actually, we partner with a, an organization in the San Francisco Bay Area called No Bully. And No Bully is a, a program which really focuses on the issues of bullying and uh, violence in the schools. And they are uh, using HeartMath in their program, and we are working with them to design really good programs. Think of this. Think of, I paint you a picture of a, of a child comes in from the school ground, and she's been bullied, let's say. The teacher can say to her, Emily, why don't you go sit on the heart uh, pillow? And just breathe as if you're breathing through your heart and remember your birthday, remember some happy time. And if the child does that, instead of carrying that bullying all through the day and into back home, the child is able to defuse that and to be able to replace that negative or disruptive emotion with a positive and happy one. And in when they do that, it changes their emotional state. Hugo, do you think that these techniques will work with the teens and tweens that you see or are involved with? I absolutely can. I guess my question for Bob is, how would you apply this technique with a student who is in the midst of going through some form of abuse? Really good question. And somebody like what you're talking about, I'm so glad you brought that up because we're, right now, for example, we work with the Green Dot schools in Los Angeles. And these are schools that are in the inner city, a lot of the students are coming from home and uh, neighborhood environments that are violent and disruptive. And so you can't always, you know, it, it isn't say, oh, just, you know, Pollyannish, you can just do this. We have a, a one of the techniques we have, Hugo, is called attitude breathing and another called neutral. And if you can just, you know, maybe you can't go from sad to happy, but if you can just move to a neutral place, you can take a few steps toward at least getting out of the uh, of the sad or the depressed zone. And then once you get into a neutral place, you have more choices. An attitude, breathing, and exercise we have. We have students replace an attitude, like they say, life stinks and nobody loves me and life's unfair. We have them breathe a more positive attitude. You know, I can do this. I'm stronger than I thought I was. I have a lot of friends. Just have them breathe that attitude uh, as if they were breathing that, that attitude through their heart. And that really changes not only their emotional attitude, but their mental and their physiology as well. Because when we're in a positive emotional state, our bodies are releasing hormones that are conducive to better health. I would have to agree with you because a lot of what I do therapeutically is having people develop a positive mindset. Because I notice that regardless of what a person is going through, when people are, have a more hopeful and optimistic mindset, all of a sudden, they're in a much better place to being able to manage the difficult feelings arising from whatever the situation is. What we would add is that if it's a, it's a mindset and a heart set, it really affects your whole system. You are both 
thinking better and thinking in a more positive state, but you're also feeling in a more positive state. And, and it's that combination of thinking and feeling of heart and mind that produces the most powerful uh, effect. So you're asking people not only to think about caring in their heads, but also to feel it in their hearts and their bodies so they know how it feels to care, not because they're thinking about it, because their body has adapted and can understand how it feels to care about another? Yes, it's, it's, I'm glad you used that caring because there are lots of times when we're trying to think ourselves out of a problem and the frustration really keeps us from thinking clearly. It's when people are under stress, they generally can't see as well, they don't listen as well, they can't solve problems as well, even though they're trying really hard. I mean, I, you know, as a university professor, I've had lots of uh, students who were very bright, but they were so frustrated or anxious about the exam that even though they were just trying so hard, they were really trying too hard. If they had been able to just, you know, shift their focus to the heart, if they were able to kind of create that harmonious dialogue between heart and brain, they could do much better. What are some simple words of advice that you might have for our parents and our teens that they can begin to use right now and get started balancing their hearts with their brains? So if a child comes in and is reactive, if the parent can just calm themselves, just center themselves, and then instead of reacting or picking up on whatever negative emotion, if the parent can stay coherent, or if the teacher can, or if a child can. We have kids who are going from a, a school where their teachers and their counselors are teaching them how to be in this state of flow or this uh, state of zone, and they're going home. So we say, okay, when you're going home and you're going back into that kind of environment, you can continue to, to do this. You can practice these tools. We have a, a number of techniques that uh, the students practice. We have a wonderful technology called the M-Wave, but that shows your heart rhythm pattern in real time on a computer screen. So we, we have kids practice getting into that coherent state. For a lot of kids, their default position is defensive or reactive. So if they can shift and change what we call the, the neurological architecture of their brains and their bodies, then they know how to deal with these things in a much more constructive but also much healthier way. Where can parents and others go to get more information about the work done at the Heart Math Institute? Well, we have the best thing is to go to our website, which is www.heartmath.org, and there they can uh, click on a number of different uh, uh, links to our research. Uh, one of the things that one of the reasons HeartMath is been is so successful worldwide and in so many environments is because we we and others have done a lot of uh, uh, real top level uh, scientific research on these techniques. So uh, there's a body of research which uh, is published in a lot of peer-reviewed journals in medicine and in healthcare and stress medicine and in education and elsewhere. It gives you a number of programs. It'll show, for example, the classroom products and the educational technology and the research which is done on education and how these things can be applied. There's a a link to parents, for example, so that uh, parents can click on uh, a link that will take them to, you know, preschool children or kids in the, the early elementary or in high school. And these are ways for parents and grandparents to get some information about uh, what we do. Ugo, what advice would you have for our parents and teens about how they could go about balancing their heart with their brains? One of the things I like to tell clients is looking at their feelings 
as more of a temperature gauge. It doesn't describe you. It just tells you what's going on and how you react to it. And it's, uh, I agree with Bob. It's perfectly okay for someone to come in having a birthday, but it's important for people to learn to center themselves because it actually, the paradox is that it actually makes it easier for them to deal with things going wrong. Thanks to you both. I appreciate this information about how our hearts actually support the thinking of our brains and just how important it is that we not only focus on what we're thinking about and how we cognitively feel about it, but also how our hearts are reacting to it and emotionally how we're connecting the both of them. Thank you. You've been listening to Inside the Minds of Teens and Tweens. I'm Dr. Regina Lamorell. This program is produced by Jack Street Media as part of the Affiliate Nanocasting Network. Thanks for listening.